you know, I obviously uh, we have a very engaged audience, and I I thoroughly in, uh, enjoy when I post one of these episodes on Twitter, people engaging with me. I like reading the comments on YouTube and other places where these videos are posted. Who do you follow? Who is somebody that you think tells truth to power? Who is somebody that you think is a free thinker, a, a independent thinker, an iconoclast, um, somebody who is a truth teller? Who are the people that we all should pay attention to who, uh, who actually tells it like it is in this modern world? All right. Welcome back to Cutting Through. I'm here with my uh, co-host, Mike Gatto, down in Los Angeles. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Doing How good? are you? Yeah. You look good. Yeah. You look good. You look tan. Oh, thank you. You've been out in the sun? Well, you know. Huh? <laughs> this is just my skin. But you're swarthy. You're, you're <laughs> of the swarthy, swarthy type. <laughs> yes, like, I am. Are you Sicilian? Are you Napo uh, Napolitan? I'm Sicilian, yes. Is that, yes. Is that it? Uh, what do you call somebody from Naples? Uh, you call them Neapolitan. Neapolitan, got it. Yeah, that's I mean it. Italians will say Napolitano, right, or Napolitan, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, here we are. I've been thinking about something, man. Tell me. So I was thinking about where we are as a society today, right? In the whole cancel culture, everybody's afraid. Um. You have these people that walk the earth who believe that they are, you know, gods amongst men when, you know, they just happen to be either born on third base or they got lucky with a, you know, with one pitch. Um, but people fear them, right? Um, and it reminded me of an episode of The Twilight Zone that I saw when I was young. And I think it was from 19, 1961. All right. Back when you were you were in your late twenties then, <laughs> or were you in your early thirties? That's actually funny, man. That's actually funny. <laughs> that was good. That's one of the few times you've ever been funny. Usually, I just humor you. But that was actually funny. I liked it because oh, it was smooth. Man. You know, I was expecting. Yeah, it was. Smooth. I was expecting was something intellectual, and you came with that. <laughs> um, it's called. Um, it's a good life. Yeah, it was from 1961, and it was an episode of The Twilight Zone, which actually I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one, but it was voted one of the greatest TV episodes of all time, in addition to being one of the yeah. best Twilight Zone episodes. It was just like, in all polls, this always ranks at the top of great TV episodes. And I think because it's so prescient, you know? The story is based around a six-year-old named Anthony Fremont in... Um, in a town in the middle of the cornfield, in the middle of the Iowa cornfields called Peaksville. And um, Anthony could read everybody's mind. And Anthony has managed to create this small little, little, you know, midst cornfield town in the middle of Iowa. He's been able to isolate it under his mind. And he knows what everybody's thinking. And so everybody treats Anthony as if, oh, Anthony, you're awesome, Anthony, because they can't think. If they think Anthony, right, he will banish them to the cornfield or he'll turn them into a jack in the box like he did with one of the people. Or he will he will shoot them into a television set to be killed by dinosaurs. Right. He will destroy them, essentially, if he does. If this six year old does not like what they say. He doesn't, he doesn't allow singing. If he sees you singing, you're banished to the cornfield. Um, so everybody has to live their life watching out for this six-year-old, 
right? Boy, I loved playing Anthony Fremont, and I completely got what he was. Even as a, there was no, I don't get this, or I'm just going to hit my mark and blah, blah, blah. I understood that everybody was in total fear of this guy because he knew exactly what you were thinking moment to moment. And man, if he wasn't happy, you were in trouble. And that was so much fun for me. Oh, I loved that show. I loved that show. Right? Because this mercurial six-year-old. Huh? Is this a parable about Google or the FBI? Well, <laughs> just, it's you've kind just of kidding. you're you're just you're you're, you're stepping on my bit, but but <laughs> you're cutting to the chase. Yeah. So as I watch the episode, I'm like, this is where we are today. This Anthony is nothing more than a a an example of the tech government. Um, complex that's been created. That complex, you know, where where the technology companies and the government kind of glom together to create this overarching Anthony Fremont, where they know what you're thinking. If they don't like what you're thinking, you're banished to the cornfields or you're canceled, right? You have to be careful about everything you say because Anthony Fremont can't hear you. Anthony Fremont can, you know, see, see your texts. Anthony Fremont knows what you're saying on the phone. And I think, God, that was such a prescient episode because I feel, and I'd like to know what you think, that's where we are today. I think that episode is a great illustration of what our society has become, not because of a six-year-old boy, but because of the marriage of the government and tech tech companies and what they are now, which is a large Anthony Fremont, and everyone is afraid to do anything to get on the wrong side of them. Well, I think there's two components to the to the concept, and I think you hit on one of them, and that's certainly the era of big government surveillance. But what I see a bigger problem is this. I think a more accurate parable, and you know, all jokes aside, um, from the ones I made at the beginning of this broadcast, I think a more accurate uh, parallel would be that this was a very prescient for uh, foreseeing of social media because you know social media sees everything that you do they see what you post they digest it and they have the power uh, the, certainly the, the the power of the the masses on social media uh, to punish you and to to punish those who who have errant thoughts that they express um, and, you know, it's also a parable, I think, of the mob, right? Um, whether you want to say that's the mob on social media or, you know, the masses out there in real media or even the masses in the streets, there's, there's certainly a, a, another thing in this world where we're all seeing and all knowing. And if we're upset with you, we're going to destroy you. And, you know, so, you know, I think science fiction has always really, um, you know, been a couple generations ahead on this stuff. And I think that's a very prescient episode. You know what? I think that you are right in that. I think the mob might be a better illustration of the mob imbued with the power of social media yes. might be a better illustration of Anthony Fremont, right? Because yep. they are more mercurial. They are more emotional. They are more less likely to think it out as the government would, right? The government would sit back and go, okay, is this the best move? And well, I was going to say, and there's a reason why, I mean, if you think about it in the Twilight Zone episode, how prescient it was, this was a boy. It was not a full grown adult. Mm -hmm. It had the emotions Correct. and the, the maturity of a boy. Yeah. And that really does represent the mob on social media because, you know, they, they, they are omniscient. They, they can see what you had for dinner because you posted it on Instagram. And if they don't like your comment, if you said something mean about, you know, killing animals for, for food or something like that, then they can try to cancel you if they want. They will react. 
And I think this was, you know, this is why this episode of the Twilight Zone got voted one of the most popular TV episodes of all time because people see the merit in it. So how do we break that? You know, I know you know what an iconoclast is. So yeah. who who amongst us – because at one point in that episode, the mother, she can't take it anymore, right? She can't take it anymore. She can't think it because he can, he can hear her thoughts, but she can't take it anymore. And her arm starts moving towards this fireplace poker because he's only a six-year-old, right? He's not a giant. He's a six-year-old. And she wants to – she has the opportunity and she doesn't do it. She loses. She becomes afraid and she just walks away. And yeah, you're the greatest, Anthony. You're awesome, Anthony. What a great day. Um, but who in our society today, Mike, do you think has the ability to actually pick that poker up and knock that monster out? Very good question. I mean, I wish I had a fantastic answer. I really have two answers and one is active and one is passive, right? So in theory, there are people out there right now who are truth tellers. They are independent thinkers. They are free thinkers. They are people who, for whatever reason, will, will say the things that people are thinking but are afraid to say. And what I challenge myself to do, um, if you look at my Twitter account, I follow a lot of people who do not represent what I think. I think, you know, there's this concept of filter bubbles. You know, everybody, their Facebook friends tend to be from the same socioeconomic class, from the same neighborhoods and the same political viewpoints. But what I try to do personally is I challenge myself to follow and to interact with and to talk to people who do not represent my thinking because I want to see my blind spot. I want to see different viewpoints. And that is something that I hope that all of us would do, but very, very few people do it. Uh, the other part of it is more passive and more kind and more gentle, which is um, the best advice I got when I when I had got elected to office was just keep in mind, first of all, don't believe your media. Don't believe the good stuff. Don't believe the bad. You are not who you are on your best day when you just pass the best piece of legislation. Everyone's cheering for you. That's not who you are. And you're not who you are on your worst day. If you do something bad, if you screw up, we have to have it in our heart to forgive each other. And that's something that, you know, you're also not who you are on your worst day. So I think if we take those approaches, expose yourself to new ideas and also be generally tolerant, we might start to have the markings of a better society. Well, so when you, when you talked about, you know, following people that, you know, you disagree with that Anthony Fremont mob, right. That, 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 petulant mercurial mob they can see that and they'll go aha he's following i don't know oh yes andrew tate right oh he's following andrew tate or he's following you know pick your other you know radioactive personality on on you know on media right now and he's following this guy so he is that guy they can't be beyond <laughs> yeah, and, that. and that's what's so funny that's what's so funny about social media right is I mean, look at the dawn of Twitter and look what was in everybody's profile for the first 10 years of existence. Retweets don't mean I agree. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, let's say, let's say, you know, some lawmaker went out there and said something crazy, like, I'm going to dye my skin pink to prove that prejudice does not exist. Something totally crazy. A lot of journalists would retweet that to share with the world that someone had said something crazy, but you got to put in your Twitter bio, retweets don't mean I just, I agree with this, right? And it's like, that's what's so crazy. You do start to see people say he's following this person. He retweeted Correct. this person. It's madness. It is. Now, I don't follow Andrew Tate, but I do follow a lot of people who I don't necessarily agree with. But I like the fact that they pride themselves 
and being fearless. Uh, you know, Julian Assange at WikiLeaks, right? Whether you love him or hate him, he is somebody who is fearless or he he was fearless. He, he released a lot of stuff on the Iraq war that would otherwise have gotten out there. He was the darling of the left for a while. Now he was a darling of the right. I mean, you, it's hard to keep up. Same thing with Elon Musk, you know, for years and years and years. He was the darling of the left. He was speaking truth to power. He was saying, get rid of coal, drive electric cars. And now that he's got the temerity to say a few things that lean right, oh, the left hates him and the right loves him. It's madness, folks. You should want to hear the independent thinking no matter what. It's it's almost as if, Mike, that you have to be you have to possess um, untouchable wealth in order to be fearless today, because the the mechanisms can be used against you to cut off. Right? We saw what happened in Canada with the truckers. Right? Many people, you know, for agree with them or not, they were standing up for what they believed in. Right at that time, and I think. Over time, it showed that they were probably right on what they were standing up for. Um, but but the mechanisms of the machine were such that they were able to cut off their bank accounts, right? So unless you are unless you are wealthy and you have you know money, you have the type of money that cannot be threatened by by yes. Hollywood calls it F you money. Yeah, right? unless it's you a have long that. Phrase in Hollywood where you can take what projects you want, you can tell directors to off, you know, you that's true power, yeah. right? And you're right. I mean, you look at like a guy like Tucker Carlson, right? He prides himself in saying whatever he wants, but he's got millions and millions of dollars, an established career. He can he can put a put a video on Twitter and millions of people will watch it and advertisers will buy it, you know. So yeah, there there's something to be said that you need to have lots and lots and lots of money to tell the truth. Although I've heard some people argue, and I don't know if this is true or not, that no matter how much money you have, if you truly become a threat to the government, and, and there's where the case of maybe Julian Assange or you know other people who have truly become a threat to the government or truly become a threat to a powerful interest, that they'll just manufacture something, that some charge yeah. will be manufactured against yeah. you to uh, to try to take you down sure. from telling the truth and from you know taking a position that's unpopular. Yeah, what is that? You what did, did Stalin say? You show me the man, and I'll show you the crime. Or you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the concept, yeah, right? right? I mean, they, they, I got that quote all wrong. People can come at me in the in the comments, but you get the spirit of what I'm saying. You you, you just show me the man, I'll yeah. I'll find you the crime. Um, but that is, you know, you mentioned comments and that's something that I would, you know, I obviously, uh, we have a very engaged audience and I, I thoroughly in, uh, enjoy when I post one of these episodes on Twitter, people engaging with me, I like reading the comments on YouTube and other places where these videos are posted. Who do you follow? Who is somebody that you think tells truth to power? Who is somebody that you think is a free thinker, a, a independent thinker, an iconoclast, um, somebody who is a truth teller? Who are the people that we all should pay attention to who uh, who actually tells it like it is in this modern world? You, you know, I would have to go back to Julian Assange because he did have no money, right? He was not he was not a man of wealth. And um, I think it's horrible how the left kind of flipped on him because we have the example of the Panama Papers, right? We still yeah. talk about Daniel Ellsberg, right, in, in, in these yeah. in these hollowed terms, right? But Julian Assange, he's an exile. Like he, what I thought, what he did was heroic. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a 
staunch nineteen late nineteen sixties liberal. I am against war and I'm against the man. And you know, however that lays across people's jerseys, then that's where it does. But sure. you know, that's where I am. And I thought what he did was really heroic. And I think it's it's very shameful um, how he's been treated by many people, especially in the media. Where they have forgotten For about sure. him and just let him, you know, rot wherever he is right now. Um, but I'd I, I have to think Julian Assange is up there because, again, he did not have the fu money. He just was a guy who stood up for what he thought was yeah. right. Yeah, and I mean, look, even if you want to go, you know, from hotly contested political stuff, just to even finance. I mean, Nassim Taleb. I mean, he's somebody who he says things that are controversial in finance, like these products are way riskier than Wall Street wants you to think. And there's people out there who hate him, who spew crazy stuff at him. For, for those who don't know, he's the author of The Black Swan and ah. you know, lots of very, very good books. Mm -hmm. And he's a fascinating guy. And he's somebody that I follow religiously. I don't agree with everything he says, but man, is he fascinating. And his books are really, really interesting for their unique perspective. It's not something you hear or read every day. Well, you know, I think that this, this, I know this, this episode was a little different than ones we usually do, but I, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had on it. And I really would like to hear from people in the comments um, to let us know who they think these people are, who, who they think these iconoclasts of our day are and why. And um, what are what are the traits that they need to have to do that? Because it's getting tougher because of the Anthony Fremonts, right? The Anthony Fremont, Fremont mob that will yeah. banish you to the cornfield if they don't like what you're saying. So, Mike, any last words? Well, just that we aspire to be that truth teller. And if you look at some of our episodes, we talked about, you know, these these uh, massive complexes that are emerging within government and cronyism. Um, but uh, we aspire to be that truth teller as well. So thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. And remember, subscribe, give us a like and uh, share if you can. And thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. See you guys next time. Thank you. Hey, if you like what you hear, like and subscribe. It really means a lot. And we would love to have you coming back every week. Thank you.